0: The entire Hopkinsville Police Department here in Kentucky has to undergo a DEI training after one officer posts a video where he is lip syncing to a song. The Lexington 911 Center shuts down briefly due to COVID. And JCPS bus issues are getting more complicated as JCPS has lied about bus drivers quitting. We'll have all that and more today on the Andrew Cooprider Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooprider. And before we dig into it, as always, I ask that you please like, comment, share, subscribe, and spread the word about the podcast. We are growing immensely. We're seeing fantastic numbers on our end, and it's all due to the hard work you all do of making sure that the message here gets out. And also, too, I want to remind everybody that you can email me any types of tips or stories or things you want to hear talked about on the podcast. You can email me at info at Theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Without further ado, let's dig down into it. So, the Hopkinsville Police Department has stated that all officers will undergo a diversity, equity, and inclusion training after one of their officers stirred up some far left outrage uh, with this TikTok video. Now, is he in trouble for what I would get him in trouble for, for doing a horrible job lip syncing? No. I mean, objectively speaking, it was a bad lip syncing video for all those who uh, couldn't see the video. It was simply Jason Aldean's try that in a small town while an officer with uh, his cruiser, I'm assuming his cruiser, uh, pointed towards the camera with the lights on. And he was doing a rather bad lip syncing (laughs) video in my humble opinion. Now, of course, if I was in control, I would say that everybody who posts a bad lip syncing video should immediately be shunned by society. But no, that wasn't what he's in trouble for. Was he wrote up for perhaps using taxpayer funded resources like his cruiser in order to grow his following on China run by a social media app? Nope. In fact, this officer here has been making TikTok videos for quite some time now, a trend we see with officers in our modern time. And while I personally, per se, um, don't find the actual video itself objectionable, I, as you can tell, I'm a little annoyed about using taxpayer dollars for TikTok videos. But regardless, that uh, we put that argument to the side because that's not What people are upset about. In fact, I haven't heard anybody bring that up. No, what stirred up the controversy is, well, you guessed it, far-left agitators decided he was quite clearly and obviously a racist for singing the song. Hopkinsville really started getting the complaints when this TikToker that goes by the name of tizzy tizzy T-I-Z-Z-Y-E-N-T, uh, who apparently makes it his job on TikTok to find and, quote-unquote, expose people like this police officer for their great sins of disagreeing with old Tizzy's worldview. Let's listen to what Tizzy had to say and what ended up causing all these so extreme complaints.
1: you about that Jason Aldean song, because you did it after there was controversy. You did it after people started saying, there's racist undertones here. There seems to be dog whistles. This seems to be alluding to things like lynching, literally in the chorus that you did in the video. A song where in the music video, Jason Aldean used images from BLM protests, which of course were protesting police brutality, specifically against black Americans. Images that he has since had to remove, not because he felt bad, but because he used them without permission. And you, a law enforcement officer, decided to make a video about that. I'm just curious why. I mean, it's not because you work in a small town. Uh, Most consider a small town 2500 to 5000 people, a few random people on the internet will say like 8,000 or 15,000. But even by that amount, you don't work in a small town. Now as of 2021, Hopskinville's population was over 30,000. And I suspect it's probably grown since then. And out of that population, um, more than 27% of the residents are black. And here's an officer who's part of their community. Performing to a song that's been considered racist and pro-lynching. And I'm just curious why that is. And I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one.
0: Well, there you go. Because a bunch of people uh, on the left decided with no real evidence, other than that they don't like country music, that Jason Aldean's song is racist. And if you disagree with him, then clearly you must be racist. After all, Aldean used video from the BLM riots. That is accurate. But he also used video from the January 6th riots, almost as if he was just simply saying he hates the rioting that is going on within our cities. So let's not mention that because, of course, it doesn't actually fit the narrative. And you heard Tizzy clearly. Try that in a small town is just simply a dog whistle for lynching, according to him. And if you don't hear it's because, well, you don't think about racism 24-7. So therefore, clearly, you must be a racist. With all this pressure coming down, how does the Hopkinsville City Council and Mayor respond? Now, Hopkinsville is a majority Republican City Council and has a Republican Mayor. So, did they tell the officer that they know they aren't racist and stand up to people like Izzy that don't live in their town to go mind his own business in his own town? No. Instead, they bend to the outrage mob and spend tax dollars. Of the people of Kentucky and Hoptown on a DEI seminar. And you may wonder why is it that a Republican city council won't simply stand up to a bunch of people that clearly don't vote for them, even stand up to a bunch of nonsense. Well, many of times it can simply be that they're not actually conservative Republicans, just people with an R next to their name. We talk about this on the show all the time. And there is Almost no greater example of this than uh, the type of liberal Democrat simply throwing an R next to their name, than one of the Hopkinsville City Council members who masquerades as a Republican. And I'm talking about this guy right here. This is Matthew Handy. Matthew Handy is a city council member of Hopkinsville, a Republican and Those of you watching the video have seen what I've thrown up, but for those of you listening to the audio only, it is social media photos from Handy from 2020 where he is leading a Black Lives Matter protest. He is wearing his Black Lives Matter shirt, standing in front of the Hopkinsville Police Department, throwing his fists up in some of the other photos. In the photo I'm showing you, he's standing there with people behind him throwing their fists up. Obviously, fantastic photography opportunity. Now, Handy, what's funny is Handy, the uh, so-called Republican on City Council that takes place in Black Lives Matter protests in this photo is the one of the only ones actually wearing a face mask, um, which is interesting. Uh, In fact, he is more liberal than all the other people he was protesting with, so much so that he's the only one wearing the liberal garb of a face mask while he's outside he was outside in that photo especially so handy is a registered republican sitting on senate council and here he is he's leading that black lives matter protest now do you think handy was honest with constituents as he was campaigning as a republican do you think he told them that a uh bill as a blm activist he will jump on the first excuse he can to push for their tax dollars to be spent fording the type of DEI agenda that the Republican voters so disagree with? I mean, after all, that would be of great concern. It is not simply. It's you want to be a protester and and fight for your causes? Okay, then do it. I'm not saying he doesn't have a right to do that, but the voters have a right to know what their tax dollars are being spent towards. So of course not. He lied about what he represents because that's what bad people do. They lie about their intentions. If he believes in this and he wasn't a bad person, just because you are a person who believes in the BLM talking points and a type of person uh, that would engage in BLM protests, that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. I may think you're misguided. But when you misrepresent or lie about who you are and what you believe in, well, that does make you a bad person. And uh, they'll do these are the types of people that do anything to seek power. And when they get it, they forward whatever belief system they actually have. One that is oftentimes far different than what they said they stood for. And now we have a situation in Hopkinsville. We have a conservative city with a conservative city council and a conservative mayor. Well, we won't call them conservative, we'll say Republican. And in that very conservative town, we now have the police department going through diversity, equity, and inclusion seminars because one officer badly lip synced to a song that is not even racist uh, simply because they feel the pressure from people who are not in their town. They are essentially acquiescing to the idea that all these officers must be racist to even have this guy lip syncing badly to a song. And this is what happens when people don't do their research. This is what happens when you take what politicians say at face value and you don't make them make commitments. In fact, no matter how well you know them, no matter how well you think you know them, just assume that if it's a politician speaking, they're putting the best, nicest light they can on unfortunate fact, if it's something that's uncomfortable. So it's incredibly important that you show up in Republican primaries. And if you don't have a candidate challenging a sitting person, try to find one. Educate yourself on others on who is running and be influential because right now, Tax dollars, because people failed to properly check out who they're voting for, find candidates to run, and challenge them because people failed on that. Uh, Hopkinsville's tax dollars, and to a degree how you cut it up, the state's tax dollars are being spent on a BLM agenda in a conservative town in Kentucky because we as voters have failed to do our jobs. Well, coming up, the Lexington 911 dispatch center shuts down due to sickness. Uh, We'll have more right after this short break. So Lexington's E-911 dispatch center has had to temporarily shut down and will not reopen till next Monday. And this is from the Herald-Leader. They said the city's emergency operations center was temporarily shut down. Monday, after a COVID outbreak at the 911 center, Lexington officials said nine employees have tested positive for the coronavirus, which has seen a surge in numbers recently in Fayette County. Hospitalizations do remain low, with only nine new admissions last week, according to health department data. I added in the only because, of course, we're not talking about a, a COVID virus that's killing tons and tons of people. Uh, only nine in a week are being hospitalized. I, you know, it is it is what it is. But the E911 has about 70-ish employees. And we have to ask, how are we responding to COVID now as a culture? I mean, clearly it's here to stay. Uh, we've learned to treat it. Immunities have grown. But yet we're still shutting down essential things like E911 centers because about nine out of about 70-ish employees have tested positive. They aren't even necessarily very sick. I bet many of them don't even know that they had it. I bet many of the nine are out sick, but if it's as anything else, any kind of other sickness, they wouldn't have even been out sick because it would have gone completely unnoticeable. And how is it three years later, after everything, we're shutting down emergency 911 centers over nine positive tests, Why are we even still testing like this in a pretty normal standard office environment? So how are they handling this? They've shut down a dispatch center for a week. Well, they say employees who can work remotely were sent home and a backup 911 center has been activated to protect employees. That's coming from a spokesperson for the city of Lexington. And they said employees that can work remotely were sent home. Now, let me ask, do you want your 911 response to be reliant on someone's home internet? I mean, let me show you. This is a picture from the website of the Lexington E911 Center. And this is what they show as what a dispatcher's desk looks like within the image. For those of you just listening, I'll describe to you. You have four, count them, four monitors around one cubicle, four monitors around one cubicle. Now, let me ask you, what do you think the chances are that somebody has four monitors in that kind of setup at their home? On top of that, do they have reliable enough connection to be able to handle that? I mean, and do they have reliable enough phone connection even? Because you're routing this to their house, obviously you're forwarding the calls. What are you forwarding it to? Their cell phones? I know through my experience of dealing with this working from home government employees, so often calls were dropped, never answered, and issues continue. But hey, they also opened up a backup center, they said. So if we're thinking, well, Andrew, they're not actually at home. That's just some of the administrators. Uh, they're just uh, at the backup center. That's where everyone else went to, which leaves me uh, some questions. Who is working the backup center? Is it people elsewhere in Uh, that are from other places that don't know the city of Lexington. So calls are harder to get through or to describe, or they're not familiar as much with the area, or is it literally the same people who would be at the other center just going elsewhere? And if so, why can't they be in the old center? I mean, COVID doesn't stick around on surfaces that long. A simple disinfectant on surfaces and, and disinfectant air spray will kill it airborne, uh, you know, COVID isn't particularly a hard virus to kill. So this response to me makes no sense. And personally, I think it is actually putting the public at possibly greater risk. And not to mention, what about the non-emergency dispatch questions and calls? What if you want to work at E911 because they say they're uh, so low staffed and you decide you want to call in and get in your application? Or maybe there are people that feel uncomfortable calling 911. So they go to their website and call the number uh, for them to to just be reached in a non emergency setting in order to maybe ask questions about should they call nine one one or they don't want to possibly hamper up the emergency lines for something that needs a response but it isn't as much of an emergency something like uh, a car accident or uh, something that just doesn't require you to pick up the phone and dial nine one one what about that are those phones being answered if somebody calls with a simple question. Let's find out together. It is 325 p.m. when I'm recording this. Um, So certainly a time of the day where you would expect the E911 Center to go ahead and be open. And I'm going to give them a call here.
1: Lexington 911 If you have an emergency, please hang up and dial 911 now. If not, please choose one of the following
0: options: Voice message. No answer. because everyone is at home. I mean, this is ridiculous. and for those of you that want to say, well, maybe it's just an automated system of sorts, why did it ring so long before it ringed into the automated system? Uh, quite clearly, that is a call that normally would be answered at 3:30 p.m and it's not. seems like a pretty important government service to not have an answer to and I understand it's not the 911 line itself, but if you've got questions and you're trying to address something before it escalates to a 911 call, well, Maybe now you don't make the call or you end up calling 911 itself with a question that could have been answered using non-emergency resources. I mean, I certainly think it is ridiculous we're still responding to COVID in this way. Uh, if anything, I think we're putting the, when you look at the numbers, you look at nine people hospitalized in the last week. That's not even dead. That's just hospitalized in Lexington in the last week from COVID, and then you look at the repercussions for having an E911 center set up this way and the possible foibles and issues, I think you could definitely say this is pretty ridiculous. And I think we need to move on from treating COVID in this way. Some people don't want to let it die, of course, and we've talked about that, but Anyways, okay, coming up after this, JCPS bus issues are getting more difficult as we are seeing some drivers quitting, and we'll have more after this short break. So JCPS officials have repeatedly said that their failures on the bus routes have not resulted in drivers quitting. I mean, obviously, if your entire problem is based around an idea that you don't have enough drivers to service the amount of kids you have to, then having drivers quitting is only going to make the issues worse. And you failing on basic things that causes them to leave, quit, and be pushed away certainly isn't going to help. Now, come uh, as of last Friday, right? So I guess last Thursday... Uh, they said they had not lost any drivers, but then Friday, they had to admit that perhaps, possibly, some, possibly, drivers have quit due to the debacle. Eight, actually, so far, that they know of. Um, something that I think any rational human being would know, that clearly some drivers would have to be quitting after this, Um is it worth putting up with? You already have all these other issues put up with incompetence up top isn't actually something uh, you would think these drivers would really put up with too long. But one of these people who quit was Josh uh, Haberlin. And he said he quit because, and and I'm citing here, there's a lot of kids crossing four lane streets. They even had us crossing five lane roads going straight across and there's no way to safely cross that in a school bus now remember they said that they hadn't lost any drivers It wasn't until this last friday that they admitted it and last friday is the 25th well apparently josh's regular resignation he had put it in several days before but he said his last day working on his resignation was August 17th 2023 and JCPS has confirmed that he did leave on August 17th 2023 now that when, when last thursday they were claiming that they uh, nobody had quit that would have been a week since Josh's last day and he put in his notice several days before that. So over a week, he had submitted that paperwork saying he was quitting. Now something tells me that JCPS maybe was lying a little bit, but what does JCPS say as why they got this wrong? Well, they say, simply put, it just, when somebody quits, it takes a while for HR to process it. And they say that, well, you know, it takes time, to get through human resources, um, you know, and I just, we didn't know about it. Now, how many other bus drivers have quit more than eight that we just don't know about? I mean, exactly what's going on here. I mean, perhaps the very same organization that doesn't know if somebody quits over eight days after they've put in their resignation, that kind of organization that's unaware of that, maybe that problem's part of the failure. I mean, after all, your biggest problem, your hardest resource to get right now is bus drivers, and you're not keeping track of who's quitting and who's leaving and who's not. Now, of course, there's a whole lot of people out there that want to simply just blame this on resources. They want to say that their HR was so slow because they just don't have the resources for transportation. They don't have the resources to hire and keep track of it. And I reiterate this all the time that JCPS last year spent over 19,000 a kid and that's only expected to go up. So if they're spending around $20,000 a kid a year, you gotta ask questions. I mean, if you assume there's 20 kids in a classroom, which might be a little low, but at 20 kids in a classroom, at $20,000 a year, that's $400,000 a classroom. And even if teachers total compensation all in is a hundred K, which I mean, that sounds extremely high, especially with how much teachers uh, say they're not being paid. You are left to ask, where's the other $300,000 per classroom going? I mean, we're left to ask that we know it's being sucked off by positions like the president of belonging and, and culture and director of inclusion and these jobs. And those weren't necessarily made up titles. Those two, two people work with those almost exact titles getting paid big fat six figure salaries suckling off the resources that are leading to these types of problems, problems like the busing problems, like, Bus drivers quitting and they don't even know it's going on. All these people paid all this money and they can keep track of how many drivers they have at JCPS. There is an institutional problem of failure here. There just is. And you can't throw good money after bad, trying to fix something that has an institutional problem because while these people are getting paid these fat six-figure salaries to do literally almost nothing, the kids, in this case, are suffering. And bus drivers are suffering. And that's causing kids, of course, to suffer. I mean, they're asking bus drivers to cross five-lane roads with a bus during rush-hour traffic in Louisville. This isn't exactly rocket science to know that that's a bad idea, but... Regardless, well, y'all, that's what we have time for today. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. That's it for the Andrew Cooperator Show.